Hi there. We recorded this episode before we all got told to stay home, so it'll be the last one until the time we can sit in the Artichoke Music Cafe once again. Until then, as we did last week, we'll make do with Skype and phone. Today, I'm with composer-pianist Jasnam Daya Singh, who has a new album on the PJCE label, that's Portland Jazz Composers Ensemble. It's called Ekta, The Unity Project. Sounds like something we need right now, doesn't it? At the end of our conversation, we'll play a track called Acceptance. We're not going to stop making coffee shop conversations at Artichoke Music while we can't really be at Artichoke Music. Justin, welcome to the Artichoke Cafe. Nice to have you here. Thank you so much, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding your new record. Yeah. Uh, and uh, with, um, let's see, th- you, pre- you premiered this in 2017, huh? Yes, there was a, oh. a commission. This composition was uh-huh. commissioned to me by Portland Jazz Composer Ensemble yeah. in 2017, mm-hmm. and we premiered this piece uh, at the Monta Villa Jazz Festival that yeah. same year, mm-hmm. August of 2017. Mm-hmm. And th- when, when did you record it? Uh, just recently, mm-hmm. uh, early January wow. this year. Oh, awesome. Uh, okay, well, let's, let's get to the, the, the name. What does is, what is, uh, ECTA mean? ECTA, um, actually, I should start pronouncing more correctly. ECTA mm-hmm. uh, is a Punjabi word. Mm-hmm. It means unity. Mm-hmm. So, hence the whole title, Ekta, the Unity Project. Uh-huh. Oh. You must have seen some need for it in these, these days. <laughs> yes, it seemed very apropos. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a beautiful record. Oh, thanks so much. You know, I yeah. mean, I, I was listening to it, I went, that just kind of reminds me of Gil Evans. Oh, yes, he's a, uh, yeah. Gil Evans has been an inspiration to uh, composers, jazz composers for yeah. a long time now. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, and, and and just full of horns. Yes. Why? Why is that? I mean, you're a pianist. Yes, but um, I, even though uh, piano is my instrument, I have been dedicating my time and efforts as a musician mm-hmm. to composition for as long as I can remember. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. first in classical music, uh-huh. where I come from, uh, writing for chamber music, orchestral mm-hmm. scores. <coughs> piano music as well mm-hmm. but later in life when I, I, I started getting into jazz mm-hmm. so that's when I I started uh, applying my you know yeah some of the things I had learned into uh-huh. writing for jazz uh-huh. Uh-huh. well mm-hmm. I was considered Gil Evans chamber jazz and, and, and even when he was doing Jimi Hendrix tunes yes <laughs> in fact uh, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because lately that term mm-hmm. uh, uh, chamber jazz has yeah. been used quite a bit a lot of artists have been uh, yes. defining themselves yes. as chamber jazz well that whole ECM school yeah. of, of, of music the stuff that's on the, EC, the ECM label has yes. been called chamber jazz for a long time and I think it's a great name you know I mean uh, it, it, it's, it's, just, it's descriptive you know what you're, you know because you know most jazz fans most music fans and um, most, most music journalists don't know anything about music. You know that, <laughs> and I know that. Okay, uh, but um, so when you say when you know when you call it chamber jazz, it, I think it clicks. I think people know what what what, they're ta- what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. One thing that I like very much about that term is that helps um, uh, destroy that 
border, that barrier that mm-hmm. seemed to exist between classical music mm-hmm. and jazz, mm-hmm. and um, which to me was always a, a, a fake, a fake uh, barrier. You know, these yeah. days you see musicians crossing over back and forth all the time. Oh, I, I think the blinds have definitely been blurred. Yeah, yeah, which is good and bad. I mean, it's it's great that people can play anything, but for the consumer, it's like. Who's looking for music? They go, oh, you know, what is? It, it's hard. It's kind of hard to, to to figure out what's what these days. But it's okay. It's fine. I, in fact, uh, I one of the the compliments I have received from people who seem to enjoy uh, my work was, oh. I, I don't like jazz, but I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when, uh, do you know, remember David Valdez? Sure. Yeah, so he and I have uh, uh, one project together um, called uh, Sh- uh, Shades of Happiness. Uh-huh. So jokingly, we decided to describe our project as uh, mu- uh, jazz for people who thought they hated jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Where is he now? Kansas City. Kansas City, yeah. right? I moved to Kansas City. Yeah. I remember. I remember sitting in his in his in his living room with what was his name, the the the, the guy from Spain, Perez Soto. Hey, Perez Soto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when Perry could get into the country, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he was here about two years ago. Yeah, but he had trouble for for a long yeah. time, you know, getting getting across from Mexico. Um, yeah. Okay, so so if, if this is chamber jazz, is is there improvisation? Oh yes, ah. very much so. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh How do you place that in a piece? Oh, well, I place it in using the same um, formula that traditionally jazz composers mm-hmm. have been um, uh, using, which mm-hmm. is you have uh, written out material, uh, uh, pass, uh, I mean sections that are mm-hmm. highly orchestrated, everything mm-hmm. written out. However, you, ha- you go into s- solo sections. Mm-hmm. During those solo sections, you have the, sometimes only the soloist accompanied by the rhythm section. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, you have the, the soloist with the rhythm section and background uh, playing by, uh, written out to mm-hmm. also for mm-hmm. uh, the other horns. Mm-hmm. Because it was, it, it's always, you know, the, the, old, the old saying is that Classical um, classical musicians can't improvise. <laughs> oh yes, that, well e- even that is changing now. I hope so. God, but, I never believed it too much yeah, anyway. Yeah. But it, I yeah. mean, well, these these players, for example, they're all jazz musicians. Yeah, but with a very uh, solid um, foundation, so mm-hmm. they can read you know anything. Mm-hmm. They can uh, they can play you know any. Music with classical music difficulty, right? And they can solo like no, yeah. nobody's business. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, I would get Portland jazz composers ensemble. Yeah, yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed, they can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's great. Uh, um, uh, uh, it, the so are, are, um, what I'm trying to say is that I'm not doing a very good job of it. Is this 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 project is about unity. Yes. Okay. And what are the different the different? I mean, there's there's uh, six there's seven pieces here. So what what are you expressing in some of these pieces? That 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 would that, that would uh, you know lead to you know. Uh, this is a, actually that's a great question, Tom. And the reason is this: uh, 
I have talked about this extensively with Douglas Dietrich when mm -hmm. we started uh, uh, talking about the idea and the inspiration behind the project. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that I told him was this, when you write, if I had written this, this uh, project with uh, a text, with lyrics, mm -hmm. you would be very clear with, it, with uh, the lyrics uh, to, uh, to the listener yeah. that I am expressing mm -hmm. uh, uh, things about uh, unity. Mm -hmm. However, because this is instrumental music, what um, might be expressing the idea of unity, first of all, is the, um, I seem to believe that the simple fact that when I sit down to, to compose a piece of music, I am being moved by the idea of, of unity. Mm -hmm. That I, that, um, that notion, that idea is going to come through mm -hmm. when I compose the music. So, so that was that is one aspect. Yeah. The other one is the mix and match of different rhythms. Mm -hmm. it, uh, you listen to the CD, so you can. I'm sure you you were able to mm -hmm. to uh, notice that each movement has a different type of, of groove. Mm -hmm incorporating elements, musical elements from different parts of the world, yeah. including my, my home country, Brazil. And that, that is one aspect. And then another one is the, the titles. Each title uh, somehow expresses the, the idea of unity. Mm -hmm. For instance? For, for instance, uh, after we play prologue, prologue. So then the next one is Edinenie, which means unity in Bulgarian. Really? Exactly. Wow. So the, the next one, acceptance, uh -huh. which is something very much in tune with uh, the, the concept of unity. Mm -hmm. uh, believing is seeing. Uh, it has to do with uh, if you truly believe, it may, unity may seem almost impossible nowadays, but if you believe that it's something that can happen, it will happen. Uh -huh. So believing is seeing. Uh, Unuetso is uh it means unity in the esperanto language really yeah and then the next one oneness mm -hmm. that um is very, that one's very clear oneness and finally the last movement is walking together ah yes so pretty yes. clear idea yes. also you don't hear much esperanto anymore <laughs> there was a there was a record label sonra recorded for that you would they would they would uh, they, they, all, their liner notes would be in English and Esperanto. <laughs> I have a couple of those. <laughs> really? Do you know anybody who speaks Esperanto? I, in Brazil, yes. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, but uh, yeah. but there's a, a, a spiritual um, line uh, in Brazil that people follow there mm -hmm. that is very much in, in consonance with, um, with uh, the Esperanto language. <laughs> so I used to know a few people who... I even knew a guy, I forgot his name, it was more than 40 years ago, who made a, a movie in <laughs> Esperanto. <laughs> well, I hope I had subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just to, to, I know uh, you, you've been around Portland for how, how long? Have you been? You've been for, around here for quite a while now, right? 12 years. 12 years, yeah. that's, not, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, uh, and and uh, when, you, when you got here, you had another name. Yes. Um, which was Weberiago, right? Yes, Weberiago. Yeah. And that, w and that is an, even my first name. Wow. 
So now, just I'm saying it's not the first time I changed my name. Wow. My my legal name is uh, Weber Drummond. Ah, huh. that's my my last name Drummond. Uh huh. And under that name, I have only uh, two CDs. Uh huh. Um, with um, a Brazilian guitarist named uh, Romero Lubambo, uh-huh. great musician, and so. But right after that, I changed uh, my name to Weber Iago, uh-huh. which I had for for many years, and probably I, w- I would have kept that, kept that name. Uh-huh. However, I converted to the Sikh religion uh-huh. uh, in 2009, uh-huh. and when I got the initiation or baptism, if yeah. you will. Yeah. I changed my, my name to Jasnam Deya Singh. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, Jasnam is actually the uh, combination of two names. Jas, which means uh, J-A-S, uh-huh. means praise. Uh-huh. Uh, Nam means name, as in divine name. Uh-huh. So Jasnam means uh, the one who praises God or who sings the, the divine name. Uh-huh. And Deya is a word in Punjabi, means compassion. Uh-huh. And Singh is the last name that every uh, male Sikh has. Uh-huh. Singh, he, he uh-huh. means lion, uh-huh. the uh-huh. animal, uh-huh. Uh, lion. lion. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I remember when you changed it, it was like, wait a minute, who's this? <laughs> <laughs> I know this guy. <laughs> I, that's, I've seen him before. <laughs> Some other guy. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, around 2013. Yeah, 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 yeah. How was that transition for you? Well, it happened very naturally, very organically. Yeah? You know, I started, I found a, a Gurdwara, which is a yeah. Sikh temple in, yeah. in Vancouver. I started going there. And so that became um, mm-hmm. a natural occurrence for me. You know. And after three or four years of practicing the that religion, I decided to, from like, 2009 and 2013, mm-hmm. and that's when I decided to uh, to get the initiation, which mm-hmm. in the Sikh religion we call Amrit, mm-hmm. and that's when I changed my name. Did your music change? Uh, no, uh, I think the, uh, a musician's music changes no matter what. Yes, you know, <laughs> as we go through different experiences and get older. Uh-huh. And in some aspect, it becomes even sim- simpler. Really? Yeah. Wow. No, actually, let me rephrase that um, because people interpret the word simples in so right. many different ways. Right, right. I think what happens is when a composer uh, gets older, his or her music mm-hmm. becomes more clear. Yeah. So well, I, you, when you get older, you realize what's really important. <laughs> yeah, so the, like uh, hopefully you know you, you lose that need to uh-huh. to impress anyone. Uh-huh. You know everything become becomes more sincere. Yeah, but this change in your life didn't affect what, what, uh, your musical output or, or what you were writing. Yes, bec- I think so because my my habits changed. Uh huh. You know. Uh huh. I I think I I became a, a healthier person. Mm-hmm. You know, my my nutritional habits have changed, mm-hmm. you know, just by becoming a vegetarian, you know, becoming yeah. sober, you yeah. know, yeah. things like that. Uh-huh. I think those those things automatically change in the way mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. you you express your music because, uh-huh. like, you're becoming 
you're cleansing. Yeah, you know, so. yeah, yeah. Well, why did you decide to come to this country? Well, uh, that was 1987, first of all. When? 1987. 87. Almost 33 years ago. Yeah. And uh, it happened very quickly. Um, in 1987, up until that year, it had never crossed my mind uh, to move here. Mm-hmm. Whenever I thought of leaving Brazil, it would be go- um, I thought of going to Europe because I was mostly uh, connected with classical music. Yeah. So I thought it would make, make more sense to go to France or to Germany. But then a friend of mine, um, uh, this young lady who had gone to high school with me, mm-hmm. she had been living in Los Angeles for two years. Mm-hmm. She went back to Brazil. We got together to talk. When she told me about her life in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, for the very first time, having a conversation like we're having right now, uh-huh. it crossed my mind that I, maybe I wanted to try that too. Wow. So that was June 1987. Yeah. In November of 87, I was already here. Wow. 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 Interesting. So, um, so w- were you still a, a classical pianist when you moved here, or, or had you moved into jazz yet? Oh, yeah. No, I was already playing jazz gigs and yeah. studying yeah. and improvising. Yeah. I was yeah. doing both. Yeah, yeah. So when you were a classical pianist, what, what, kind, of, what kind of music were you playing? I mean, uh, who were your, your favorite composers to play? Or did you just write? Did you write your own? Well, I did. I, I was composing yeah. also, but but I was very much into playing the the piano literature that uh-huh. every pianist seems to to enjoy. You know, mm-hmm. of course, uh, Bach, uh, the classical Beethoven, Brahms, yeah. and, and Chopin. Yeah. I, w- I went through a phase when I was very much into impressionistic composer, uh-huh. especially Ravel. Yeah. So that was my go-to composer. And um, but around that time, I was already so much interested in doing different things in mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. that I started realizing that um, I probably didn't have the I don't want to say time, but maybe discipline mm-hmm. to be primarily a concert pianist because my my time was very much uh, being divided, you know between different uh, music interests. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And you know, uh, uh, a, a, a musician who was an inspiration in that aspect was uh, Leonard Bernstein. Oh yeah. Because he, he's one of those musicians who was so brilliant in everything he did. You know, a, a conductor of course, mm-hmm. and uh, a composer, not only of classical music, in. Mm-hmm. Um, I told my, my, my daughter, who, who loves West Side Story, if the only, in my opinion, if the only thing Leonard Bernstein had done in life as a composer had yeah. been West Side Story, yeah. nothing else in music, <laughs> we would be talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so interesting because um, uh, uh, Brazil is so, such, has such a, a rich musical heritage and, 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 and people like Revere the Brazilian music and, and all that and for you to leave it must have been interesting you know. well um, when I keep usually when Brazilian musicians uh, mm-hmm. leave Brazil mm-hmm. we never feel like we're leaving Brazil behind yeah. we feel like you're taking the music yeah. and the art yeah. with us wherever we go yeah and um, 
and usually musicians uh, leave Brazil because of the opportunities. Yeah, yeah. I just had Brian Davis in here from mm. Pink Martini. Oh, yes, I know Brian. Yeah, and he's always going to Brazil, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, of course, he started the Lions of Batucada here in Portland. Um, were you ever involved in any of the, you know, um, the the Brazilian music that more more Americans knew, samba and and all that and all that? Mostly when I lived in the Bay Area. Oh, really? Yeah. But not in Brazil. Uh, in Brazil, to uh, to some aspect, because um, it, the music that we have in Brazil mm -hmm. is. Um, the catalogs there, the, the terminology that we have for the styles mm -hmm. uh, is slightly different. Actually, it yeah. can be very different from what we have here. Yeah. I'll give you an example. You know Yvonne Lins, right? Sure. People like Yvonne Lins, Milton Nascimento, uh -huh. uh, in Brazil, they are known as artists of MPB, MPB which means uh, Musica Popular Brasileira, uh -huh. Brazilian Popular Music. Yeah. But those two artists, for example, when they come to perform in the States, mm -hmm. they are automatically uh, inserted in the jazz community. Right. You know? Right. In, in Brazil, they, they are not thought of as jazz artists. Really? But here, they, they perform in jazz festivals, in jazz uh, venues. That's fascinating. So, so, so that's one thing. And... Um, and usually in jazz in Brazil, we have one type of jazz that people refer to as instrumental music. Mm -hmm. When you say instrumental music in Brazil, you're automatically talking not only about music without vocals. We're talking about music that has without vocals, but with yeah. a certain style that's uh -huh. expected. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Wow. Do you ever go back? I'll try to go once a year. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you, with my you, family. Do you yeah. play music when you get when you go there? Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, very often, I'll I'll be there for a whole month without uh -huh. touching the instrument because wow. I go and visit um, relatives yeah. and yeah. friends and yeah. and very often I, I, I don't have opp opportunities to to perform. I would uh -huh. love to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you when you're practicing, do you do you, does, does the classical side of you still come out? Yes. You just home alone. Yes. Um, you mean with the type of things that I play? Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, when I'm war war uh, warming up, uh -huh. I, I like to play um, uh, uh, pieces from the uh, classical piano literature. Yeah. 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 You know, to, to get the, the fingers in, you know, in shape. Uh -huh. There's a guitar player here in Portland named Alan Hager. He's known as a blues guy. Do you know him? I think I met him. Anyway, yeah. uh, well, he you know, he went to Berkeley in in, in Boston, right? And um, stayed in Boston because he studied classical guitar and made a living transcribing classical pieces for guitar, you know, to, mm -hmm. classical pieces to, you know, to the guitar. Then he moved to Portland and he's never played any classical, not a classical show, uh, uh, gig since he got here. He's <laughs> very well known, very, very well known as a, as, a, as a blues guitar player. But for some reason, he never did. Isn't that strange? Have you ever played a classical concert here? Uh, you, you could say that, but, but it was my, my music. Ah, okay. Was, was yeah, the, yeah, the Portland yeah. uh, Chamber Orchestra. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a piece that I had written in 2006 for mm -hmm. the Carmel Bar Festival, mm -hmm. when I was living in Carmel. Mm -hmm. And 
And then when I moved here, I met uh, Jakob Bergman, who is a musical director for Portland Chamber Orchestra. Yeah. And he he became very interested in this score. I showed it to him. Mm-hmm. And in 2017, we... I performed that piece with his orchestra, uh-huh, uh-huh. with a, a jazz concertino for piano and string orchestra. Yeah, wow. Do you ever do you think about composing another piece, uh, a, a, another classical piece? Oh yes, but I, I yeah. that's something that I never stopped. Oh, I oh. still do. Oh, great. Chain chamber right. music. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, orchestral pieces, you know. And I, I, I have the same problem problem that most composers mm-hmm. have anywhere in the world we have more music than we yes. ever be able to perform <laughs> that's right, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, how does your classical side inform the jazz side and vice versa as a composer or as a player both both yeah as a player uh the way informs the classical uh, side mm-hmm. is with uh technique Mm-hmm. You know, uh, discipline, and um, by uh, practicing, developing, and maintaining a, a good technique playing classical music, mm-hmm. that means that whenever I improvise, I'll have the the technique to support the ideas that I, I may have as an improviser. Mm-hmm. And as a composer... Uh, the classical side informing the jazz side, it mm-hmm. means that whenever I, I compose, I'll be very much aware of um, uh, form, mm-hmm. how to develop uh, themes and motifs. Mm-hmm. So that creates um, not only so, uh, hopefully a, a beautiful piece of music, but yeah. a piece of music that very well is structured. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, Portland Jazz Composers Ensemble is known for um, a lot of music that a lot of people say is outside, you know. Uh, and yours is not. Yours is beautiful. I mean, it's. I mean, yours is. And with some some of the the, the, the composers on that label, it takes a little work, hmm. you know. I mean, it takes really really dedicated listening. Yours is so accessible. <laughs> it's because it's beautiful. You know, I mean, there's a difference between rigorous intellectual music and just stuff that's, that has its own beauty that may have all the complexity and, and the difficulty of any, other, of any other serious piece of music, but, but because it's beautiful, it's, it's uh, you know, people, it, it's, it's, it's uh, well, it's, it's uh, uniting. <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, uh, thank you, Tom. In, in fact, that's, Interesting that you brought brought up that point because mm-hmm. I had the same conversation with uh, the, the maestro I was just telling about, uh, Yaki Bergman, uh-huh. from Cha- Portland Chamber Orchestra. And we're talking about how uh, several decades ago, composers went through a phase when uh, they felt like for, for composers to be taken seriously, you have to write things that were extremely dissonant yes. and uh, difficult and uh, sometimes composers even took, took an of, of offense if um, someone who was not a musician liked their music. Oh, if you, if you, if you're liking this music, maybe it's not difficult enough. Hmm. It's, it's too accessible. But the, over time, uh, things changed. Now you see you know, serious composers, um, the, even in the classical genre, mm-hmm. who, who are writing music 
that don't have that preoccupation of sounding mm-hmm. complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. sound, I mean, not being afraid of some, do, making something beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you're right. Uh, and it's a good thing that, uh, you know, people can combine the two, you know? You know um, well, uh, so what's next? I mean, it took you, this is three years from, from composition to, to yeah. uh, getting the CD out. I know it's, you know, putting the recorded music out these yeah. days is, is a difficult situation. Yeah. But what's next? Well, what's next? Um, well, I keep hoping that at some point, it's just a matter of time until I'll write something else for, for PJC. Yeah. That's one thing. And um, another project that I cannot talk much about now because I don't have that much information, mm-hmm. but is a new project with the Portland Chamber Orchestra. Nice. Nice. That um, I I think that would be more for towards next year. Uh Uh-huh. So in the meantime, you know, I continue to to write for for my own groups, Uh you know, uh, here or um, in California. Uh Uh-huh. How many of them do you have? (laughs) Well, if you... Your groups. well, if I uh, in my discography, if I combine mm-hmm. my uh, albums as a leader, co-leader, and side man, yeah, uh, or producer, uh, thirty plus. Oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe I might be approaching forty now. Jeez. Yeah. Well, then, but that's not that's not a lot if you think of uh, George Colligan has more than <laughs> almost two hundred. <laughs> well. That, that man works more than any other human should. <laughs> um, so, um, you have gigs coming up? Um, yeah, next month I'll be playing in the in the uh, in the group that is performing Daryl Grant's uh, opera. Ah, a chamber opera uh-huh. called Sanctuaries. Yeah. So um, uh, he put together a group um, to play this core he wrote. Mm-hmm. And um, as he told me that he didn't want to be involved as a pianist or a conductor. Ah. So he invited someone else to conduct. What's he going to do? He's going to just sit there <laughs> and, sit just there and en- enjoy, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, I mean, beautiful, beautiful uh, music, uh-huh. but very <laughs> difficult for every single instrument. Is that right? I'm I'm having to study that music like I would be studying a, a difficult uh, uh, classical piece. Wow! Wow! Did you ever find? Did you ever, did you ever play any Sarabji? Sarabji. Sarabji was a a, a, a a British guy who was also uh, Indian, and uh, a friend of mine from from years ago used to be the only person in the world that was that Sarabji ever allowed to play his music because it was like seven staves and. It was, it was crazy. It would take him three years to, 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 to prepare a concert. Anyway. Really? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I haven't. Yeah, interesting. I'd love to check that out. Yeah. Uh, I, I think of all the people I know in the world, you would probably really get into it. You know? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so, listen, thank you so much for being here. Uh, this has been terrific. I, yes, uh, I have, I, we've met, but we've never talked before. No, no. It's and interesting that our very first and long conversation is uh, for a podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I kind of, that, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. You know, I, I had, uh, uh, when I had the guy from Jujuba in here last week, we had never talked either. So, some, some of these people I've talked to, I've known for 
10 years, 20 years. But but it's great for you to come in here. Congratulations on the album. Thank you so much, and, Tom. I really uh, appreciate it. All the information it. will be right here on the page about how you can get it. Okay. And uh, thank you very much. Great, Tom. Thanks so much for having me, okay? Bye.